Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I am your host Andy and I'm this week joined by one guest for our week five review. You may remember him from our season preview episode. It is Steve from the Hair Dry Treatment Podcast. How are you? Not so bad, not so bad. Much better now that a certain team has won over this over the weekend. Yeah, I mean we, we will get into that later on today. We will we will refer to that game. Um but before we do that, um I found out from yourself last time why you're an Eagles fan. Um so I want to find out from you how your typical NFL Sunday looks. Are you a game pass man? Are you red zone? Do you just flick on Sky Sports NFL? How does a Sunday look in the McGuinness household? So I can quantify that by using the phrase Scott Hansen is God. Um, so effectively myself and and Luke who's one of my my co-hosts on the uh, the hair dry treatment podcast along with yourself um, myself Luke and two others we have a kind of a rotating um, you know a rotating host um, on a Sunday evening so what will happen is at six o'clock we'll all show up there order the pizza get the snacks in uh, get settled down on the big comfy couch and you know seven hours of commercial free football. Usually what happens is we watch um, the early kickoffs right the way through till they finish. And then once the, the half nine, 10 o'clock kickoffs, we'll head home and we'll, we'll tune in at Game Pass uh, and we'll watch the the games there. Um, Thursday nights, Monday night games, a little bit difficult because obviously we work. Um, but, you know, we'll catch the highlights of those uh, the following day when we're at work. Yeah, fair play, fair play. I mean, I've bought Game Pass. So our listeners know from previous episodes i have this season bought game pass for the first time so i've been even this morning for example i was watching last night's game um sort of i think it's been they, they sometimes avoid the adverts completely so I'll, I'll, i watched it this morning before lecture and just watched the whole game but without the advert so i think it's been good for me that i've been able obviously last year was different because i was living at home and i could just record it on sky but now i'm away from home now again it's um it's been handy to have that option of just downloading the game and watching it in the morning uh, not knowing the result. So, um, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. Right, so talking of last night's game, there was some breaking news coming out um, during last night's game uh, between the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts um, that Raiders head coach John Gruden has resigned from his position after a series of homophobic, misogynistic and racist emails were leaked. Um, so he has uh, voluntarily resigned from the position which um, owner Al Davis um, naturally would accept. Um, what are your views are on on this, Steve? Do you think he was right to resign? Do you think that there was any way he could have stayed in his job? Uh, no, I think he made the right decision. Um, and I, I think, unfortunately for Gruden, this isn't just the end of his tenure as a head coach. This is the end of his tenure period. Um, yeah. He's now he's picked up that tag from uh, which won't go away from him now. Uh, so they won't be wanted the TV networks or anywhere else. Um, so you'll have to. It's a good job he had like a ten-year, one hundred million dollar contract to fall back on, isn't it? So you'll you'll have to kind of fall back on his savings from now on. Um, and to be fair, I'm surprised it took this long for that kind of thing to leak. Um, if you recall, a few years back when we had the the proper investigation into the uh, the cheerleaders affair at Washington, uh, yeah. and Gruden was kind of implicated at that point. Uh, and the the behaviour that went on at that point is not the kind of thing that had a head coach could not have known about. Uh, and obviously when the emails are leaked showing that not only did he know about it, but potentially participated in it, that that was the point at which he became toxic and the NFL doesn't want him anywhere near any of their teams. Mm. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of who could replace him. And I think that there's one candidate for me that every year gets mentioned, but never ever gets a head coaching job. I think someone like Eric Bieniemy 
uh, will be a candidate for the job. Uh, I, 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 I actually think, thought the enemy would be a, be a head coach by now. I thought he, would, he was interviewed last season, fortunately, for the, uh, the Texans job. Yeah. Um, I think for a few other positions. And I'm very surprised he's not, mm. not holding a head coach position. Um, I, do you know, if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, they're, they're still going to have to work out how to pay off the remainder of this contract for Gruden, um, I would have, you know, I would have liked to have seen them uh, go back to college and, and pull uh, a certain Mr. Harbaugh back into the league. Mm. It's always fun to have both the Harbaugh brothers coaching. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, there's also that famous Super Bowl, the Blackout Bowl, it's now called, where it was both of them in the same game. So I think that would be good to see him back in back in the NFL after his time in Michigan. Um, I mean, I think there's a couple of people from the Bills. I mean, look at Brian Dayball. You look at Leslie Frazier on the defensive side of things. I think that, especially with their defensive problems, you, you might think that they, that they might go for someone like um, like Leslie Frazier, who's the current Bills defensive coordinator. But um, I think the current assistant is now going to be interim head coach. Um, yeah, I have, still... I have a feeling he's going to be there for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. I can't see Mark Davis making any big moves now. Um, it's like the Raiders kind of... They flatter to deceive a little bit under Gruden. I remember in week three, a couple of people messaging me and saying that the Raiders look like they look legit this season. And I kind of looked at them and went, well, Josh Jacobs is a good running back and I like Josh Jacobs. Darren Waller is, for me, one of the top three tight ends in the league. In fact, he's probably rivaling Kelsey in terms of his, his just sheer ability to just mm-hmm. drag points in. But then I kind of looked at the wideouts and I went, well, there's, there's a lot of potential there. Um, I like Hunter Renfro. I thought his playmaking for the last couple of weeks has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the likes of Brian Edwards still feel a bit kind of um, yeah, a bit raw to me. Uh, Carr, I've, I'll go on record. I've never rated Derek Carr as a quarterback. Um, to me, he's been a he's a game manager at best. He's an he's an Alex Smith type, but without the kind of you know without any kind of real vision. Um, and I think. The, the, the fact that it's a kind of Gruden Grinders team pretty much suited him. I don't think if you had a more expansive head coach, um, you would you would see the best out of Carr. I think we've seen Carr look as good as he can be this week, this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think Derek Carr's got good potential, but I just think that, you know, if you play him against you know, a team who have got a losing record, then he'll do well. But I still think if they got to the playoffs, you know, they, they played a good team. I think he would he would struggle <laughs> personally. But um but yeah, I I think Derek Carr for me is good, but I just don't think he's, you know, at the elite level like you know, like Mahomes, Rogers, um, Allen or Russell Wilson. Any I think he's just not quite at that level. I think he's better than a lot of quarterbacks. I, I certainly have him over two at the Dolphins, but I think there's there's good quarterbacks and then and then there's that level above and I think that, that level above he's just not quite there in my opinion. Um I noticed that you missed out one of the elite quarterbacks there. Everyone, everyone goes to that same list, right? This is a, nobody goes to Lamar Jackson. Oh yeah. Well, we'll talk about that game later. But you'll, let, let's get into it now. Um, also, I mentioned last night's game, the announcement of John Gruden. Um, the Colts and Ravens played out a crazy, crazy game, um, which saw the Colts blew a um, 22-3 lead, which they were leading with just a minute left of the third quarter. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews both stole the show for the Ravens with 442 and 147 yards respectively, along with that Ravens defense that managed to limit the Colts just three points in the fourth quarter. This allowed the Ravens to then score 16 points in the fourth quarter before a overtime win. 
um, which saw them now go four and one and the Colts go one and four. Um, so, Steve, what message does this, send out, does, this, does this win send out to the rest of the AFC, not only about sort of Baltimore's chances, their defence, but also about Lamar Jackson's arm talent? This, this is something that um, we see every season and we get a lot of people and I hate to say that there's there's a, a colour aspect to it, but there are, clearly is, who don't give Jackson nearly the credit he deserves um, for his arm strength and his decision-making when he passes. Um, they just look at him and say he's a glorified running back. And we've seen Jackson himself clap back on that on Twitter a few times saying, you know, 400 yards, you know, three touchdowns, not bad for a running back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely right to do it. Um, the guys who, who criticise him and who hate on him um, will always hate on him. They will never allow, they will never accept um, that he is an elite quarterback, right? It's the same guys that used to make the same arguments with Michael Vick when Vick was in Atlanta and Vick was in Philly. You know, they just don't. When you have like a mobile quarterback, you never seem to respect the ability for the pass in the pocket. And Jackson stepped up last night and went, if you want me to sit in the pocket, I will throw all over this place. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about how, how good his connections with Mark Andrews. His connection with Marquise Brown last night mm-hmm. was fantastic. Brown's another one of those quality players who he's an exceptional wideout, but he sometimes suffers from lapses in concentration. Uh, so you've got one week where he does like he did this week, you know, couple of touchdowns, you know, amazing, running some incredible routes, you know, leaving defenders for dead. And you've got other weeks where it's like he'll get himself open, you can see the ball, it will come straight in, and then it's like, whoops, butterfingers, it's gone. Um, so that's that's the only aspect of the game that Brown has to work on. But Jackson has, he has all the quality that Josh Allen has. Um, and to be honest, I can see those two probably for the next five, ten years, um, you know, trading EFC championships. Oh, I think you would be right if it wasn't for a certain quarterback in. I know we'll go bench them later on. Uh, I know they're, they're two and three, but I think there's a certain quarterback in Missouri that that will be having, having something to say about that <laughs> if, he can, if they can sort out their defense. Um, but we mentioned the end of week five. Let's go right back to the start with, as the Los Angeles Rams beat the Seattle Seahawks 26 17. Again, I saw Russell Wilson suffer a thumb injury, which is more than likely going to see him miss his first NFL game since he was drafted in the third round in the 2012 draft. And then Sunday, this saw an early than normal kickoff at half two for Brits and 9.30 a.m. to the Americans, a game that I went to as America, as London, welcome back the NFL. Um, it saw the Atlanta Falcons play the New York Jets as the Falcons rolled out as winners by 27 points to 20. Uh, Matt Ryan and Cal Pitts stole the show. Uh, Matt Ryan threw for 342 yards and um, Cal Pitts scored his first NFL touchdown um, including a very good one-handed catch and had over 119 receiving yards. The Jets did make a valiant comeback, but it wasn't enough. Uh, but yeah, I went to this game. Um, I, I, I thought it was excellent. I mean, I actually met Sam Morse, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago for the first time, um, and I met him in the Hipp- Hippodrome after the game. That, by the way, is, an, is a weird but wonderful experience. If you ever go, if, you, if you're ever in London, anyone, Steve, or anyone in London, and you go here, go to Hippodrome Casino, um, it was a bonkers, but really weird atmosphere it was like so I was there also we watched the first lot of red zone games um so we watched the the Bengals Packers game which we will mention later on and it was just amazing having all, all these NFL fans here but and there was such a good atmosphere in the Hippodrome but it was so busy you could barely see the TV and was, you couldn't even see the score sometimes on the bottom of the screen so um if anyone does want to go there just make sure you get a good seat otherwise you may not quite have a good time but going back to the game itself 
Um, I thought it was really good to be back at NFL London. I think that there was atmosphere before the game. That, for me, was something I've not seen before. And I think that's down to because of that year we had without it. And I think now having it back, people are just really appreciative to have it back in, in London. So I think in terms of that, that made it really good atmosphere before the game and in the game itself. Um, and I think, for me, I got quite emotional when the National Anthem were playing because it was my my way of thinking, right, this is it, we're back. So for me, it was an amazing atmosphere. And it was actually a really good game. It's probably the second best game I've seen in London. Um, and I think that um, a, lot, a lot of these games in London guessed it because they're not good on paper and they're just one-sided affairs. So I think it was actually, it was actually good for me to see a, a one-sided, a, sorry, an actual good game. At one point, it seemed like it was going to be a one-sided affair, but then the Jets did actually make it quite exciting and the Falcons almost typically, as they do, blew it. So, um, so yeah, I thought that the Falcons were good. Um, I thought that, yeah, I think Mike <laughs> was back to his MVP self. He looked like the old Matt Ryan. Um, Carl Pitts was excellent. Cordell Patterson were, was good here and there. Uh, and I think Zach Wilson did show at times potential. I think he did, albeit he showed also a lot of bust potential. He also showed signs in this game that he can. Some of the throws he was making, some of the moves he was making, it was um, at times you could see it was there. It was just wasn't there on a consistent basis. Um, did you watch the game, Steve? I, I did. I watched the game and then I watched the highlights afterwards. And I kind of, well, there, there were certain things in the game that I looked at and I went, that's what I expected. There were a couple of things I didn't expect. Um, one of the things I expected and we've seen develop this season is Cordero Patterson at running back for the Falcons. Now, obviously, Mike Davis is their guy, but Patterson is back to, I mean, he's had quite a run in the league. You know, he was like, a, he came in, he was like you know, a kind of tight end running back and they went, actually, we want to use you as like a punt returner. We want to use a wide receiver. We want to use you on special teams. He never really had that, that nailed down role when he was at the Vikings. Uh, and then he bounced around a bit. He showed up at the Falcons and they've said, you're a running back, yeah? So we'll let you be a running back. And he's genuinely looked superb in the role. Um, he's been one of the big surprises for me for them this season. Uh, they, I, I know you're saying that you know, Ryan looked back to his kind of MVP best. It's not hard to look like an MVP against that Jets defense. <laughs> yeah, I think, very true. I think three or four quarterbacks this season have already looked at MVP candidates against the Jets. Yeah. Uh, apart from Tannehill last week, and I have to throw <laughs> yeah. that in there because I know a friend of mine who's a Titans fan will be listening to this. Um, but the, the the problem I have with the Jets is it's where quarterbacks go to die. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we, yeah. we, we talked before. I mean, we used to make that joke about Cleveland or Detroit. But now it's like if you get drafted as a quarterback by the Jets, you're like, I have three years of sheer hell, right? Mm. I'm not going to develop because the coaching structure just isn't there. You know, I'm going to get flattened on a regular basis because the O-line just isn't there. Um, I do sometimes wonder where the Jets' money's gone because it's not in the offensive line. It's not in the defensive line. It's not in the wide, wide talent. It's not a quarterback. Where where does all that money go? Does it just go straight into Woody Johnson's pocket? Because that that's a, a franchise which is in just free fall. But then again, we, we could talk for, for days about how bad the New York franchises are at the moment. Yeah. And being an Eagles fan, I like to talk about why one of those franchises is really bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the other thing, I mean, Pitts, I was so pleased to see Pitts really, really coming to come through this week. Um, he had a good week last week. Um, he was very, very hyped and he was taken very high in the draft for a tight end um, because he, he's one of those kind of hybrid tight end wide receivers that we, t- like we talked earlier about Waller and, and Kelsey. 
Um, he's an absolute freak of nature. He's a physical specimen. Uh, and I think a season like this, two, a couple of good games like this, you know, we could see him seriously develop this year. And I think he's going to prove, we talked about Zach Wilson possibly being a bust. Um, I think after the first couple of games, people were really, really eager to throw that tag at Pitts. And the last couple of games, he's just turned around and went, no, you're not, you're not throwing that on me. You know, I'm, he's learned the system. He's learned how to play with Ryan. He's, he's given Ryan confidence that when he threw that ball in his direction, it's coming down. Uh, and that's, that's good for the Falcons. Um, I don't think it's going to see the Falcons get much further because um, I really want to see more at Gage and Ridley this year. And I don't think I will. I think them, when they lost Julio Jones so close to the start of the season, it was a big loss. I think a lot of their their uh, offensive play was based around him. Um, I like Gage. I like Ridley. Ridley had some massive games last season, but he had massive games last season because double coverage was going towards Jones. And I think now that he's seeing the coverage, we're not seeing quite the best of Calvin Ridley. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I like Ridley as well. And I think that, uh, you know, if they had that, if, I think they could even use Hayden Hurst as a tight end and have Kyle Pitts as a wide receiver. I think he's that good. He can play the receiver role as well. I think if you can have Ridley and Pitts as wide receivers, you know, um, Patterson or Mike Davis in the backfield, and then you have Hayden Hurst tight end, I think that could be the way they can go. Um, and you mentioned before about um, people doubting Pitts early on. I remember Jamar Chase, the exact same thing. Preseason, a few drops here and there. And everyone was saying, oh, is he going to be a bust? And then he's just come out like a house. He's settled to the NFL like a duck to water. He's been, he's been excellent. So I think people can often be too quick to to over, to, um, to write off certain players. And I think that's only been the case with both Pitts and Chase. Um, but other games on the 6 o'clock slate, the Saints beat the Washington football team 33-22 as the Washington their team continue to be the most disappointing and anticlimactic team this season. Shout out to the 2019 Browns. Um, the Buccaneers beat the Miami Dolphins 45-17 in what was an awful performance from, from ourselves. Um, no point really going into it. If I made my feelings clear last week. Oh, no, let's, let, let's, let's go no. into that one. Let's go into that one. No, no. Let's, well, let's, I, let's talk about how Tom Brady suddenly looked like Tom Brady from 2010 because he got so much time in the pocket because the Dolphins' pass rush is non-existent. Um, I mean, up against three elite wideouts uh, who just didn't seem to be covered at any point at all. And Leonard Fournette looking like the first year when he was in Jacksonville. He could just, he could go anywhere he wanted on the park. Um, we, we talked earlier about, you know, the Jets being that franchise where everything is going to die. What is going on in Miami? I, nothing it's, it's, is working. No, I mean, you actually predicted it, didn't you, in, in a season preview, but... I, you know, I, this game was one game where I didn't actually watch too much because I was sort of getting back from Tottenham, etc. It was more than 9pm games I saw more of. But I saw the second half in the Hippodrome and it was just dreadful. It was just, I mean, the whole season, apart from the first game and that one part of the fourth quarter against Raiders, it's been dreadful the whole year. I mean, Jalen Waddle's been OK. Um, Phillips has been really non-existent so far. He got his first sack on the weekend. Um, we're, we're hardly using Mike Kosicki and then we've got we've got two coordinators and we still can't get it right I mean that needs to end soon having two different coordinators offensively um, we're, we're, we're not getting the ball to Kosicki we're, we're not really the play calling has been atrocious this season I mean we all criticised Changeli last year but his play look, looks like one from Shanahan's compared to what it's like at the moment it's been just terrible and I mean I will say it's been a hard start you look at the Raiders are always better in September um Obviously, the Patriots we beat. 
obviously the Bills, we played them. And I think that we've got to play the Texans, the Lions, but we've still got to play the Patriots and Bills again. We've got to play the Saints, the Cardinals, the Panthers. We've got a hard, hard schedule. And I think that the most we're going to get this year is probably eight wins at, at most. I think that um, Brissett's been terrible. He's been awful. Um, I mean, Tua is going to be an improvement, but even he's probably not enough to to get us anywhere further than just an eight or nine win team. Uh, and I think that, um, I think, can you come back to Chris Greer? I think we all we all praise Chris Greer for all the draft capital he's collecting, but he seems to be wasting his draft capital. He seems to be just completely just, you know, we have, we have, we have we've got all these draft picks from Laramie Tunsil, from trading Ch- Kenny Stills, from trading Min- Minka Fitzpatrick, all these good players we've got rid of for draft picks. And who have we drafted with with those picks? I mean, Austin Jackson has been terrible. Noah Igbenogamy, where's he even been? I mean, uh, Tua Tangavaloa, I mean, he's not been bad, but he's not been anything special. Um, literally, I can't think of a single pick we've made of those. When we had all this, the 2019 season, the, the tank for two a year, and all these kind of, all the, all the games we lost, and all the times we built up all these draft picks. But for what? We've drafted, we've drawn that with no one good. We've brought no one in. The best pick we've made in the last three years is Kaziki Mahadi using him. Um, and so I think I think personally a lot needs to be done about that. I think that's a worrying in terms of general manager point of view. Um, and I think Brian Flores, I've got no problem with. I think he's someone I want in the franchise for as many years as possible. I think he's an excellent head coach, but we just need better offensive coordinators, better defensive coordinators, and just better all around, really, because it's not working right now. But I'm hopeful that I'm going to the Dolphins game on Sunday. You know, if we can get a win against Jacksonville, typical if we didn't um i think that personally this could see a run of form kind of we started last season i think one and three one and two and then we got a few wins against the jaguars 49ers and we got a good run going so i think you know we're, we're we've got a team that's built around a good culture that's what flores wants to do and i think that you know if we get a win or two then i think we can then hopefully that could then lead to you know a good run of form but our schedule means we probably won't because it's, it's a very hard schedule um so yeah i i, I think that you know, yeah, I think a lot needs to be done about the play calling and about how we use our draft picks. Um, but let's move on because I'm tired of talking about but it. There have been a couple, there have been a couple of, of, of positives. I mean, I actually thought Ward has looked good when you've got the ball to him, but you just there's no time for whoever's, in, whoever's at quarterback, there's no time in the pocket for him to find the likes of Waddle. Um, Waddle is a player who I massively rated when you drafted him. Uh, I'm surprised, you know, um, he didn't go. Um, first instead of Chase, but you know Chase is is just you know been tremendous because um, you you benefit Miles Gaskins having a a mildly good season, which is kind of weird. Um, he's not someone who I expected to see you know the the Dolphins really lean on much this season, but you're having to because as you say, there's no no time in the, the pocket for the quarterback. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it's time to look back and say, oh, you know what, reset some more experienced quarterback. Um, Maybe we, we start running things that are a little bit more adventurous, let Brissett, because he's not getting picked. He's just not getting the chance to throw the ball. Um, mm. So, you know, maybe let maybe start going for something a little bit more adventurous, a few more deep roots. Let Brissett put his, you know, get out there with his arm, because he has got the arm strength. Um, and then when Tua comes back, maybe revert to something a little bit safer, you know, a couple of tight insets, that kind of thing. Get Tua's confidence back up, because with the holes in that O line, he's going to need to learn very, very quick release. Because um, he's not going to get time to set and go through his his, um, his rotations. Yeah, I think they're saying he might, might be back for this game on Sunday. 
Um, so I think, you know, I mean, I'm not his biggest fan, but I think he's a good on the set. So I think, or even Reed Sinnott. So I think, you know, hopefully, we, I think he's got the potential to be good as he hasn't shown it. So I, I think that, you know, he can get a win here. Maybe that could build his confidence. But I've got his horrible feeling that it's going to be Trevor Lawrence's first win in the NFL. I've got his horrible feeling they're going to win. I don't know why. I think I think we will win on paper, but I've got a bad feeling they're gonna they're gonna embarrass us on Sunday. Um, but the other games yeah, in week five, um, the Steelers got back to winning ways with a 27-19 win at home to the Denver Broncos. Um, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Detroit Lions 19-17 thanks to a game-winning field goal from Greg Joseph. But the next game is one for Steve. Um, as the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Carolina Panthers 21-18 on the road as Jaden Hurts led the passing with 198 yards, paying tribute to Cam Newton in his celebration after his game-winning touchdown. Chubba Hubbard um, was a positive for the Panthers in McCaffrey's absence. He ran for 101 yards as I rude my decision to start Ronald Jones over him in fantasy, which cost me a 3-0 record this weekend in my three leagues. Um, I can't admit to seeing loads of this game due to, again, the same issues before about being in the Hippodrome and missing half it on the train. But obviously you watched it, Steve, um, as your Eagles won. Um, how were, how did the game go and what were your thoughts on, on the performance overall from, from your Eagles? Um, well, my, my biggest issue with this game was, and it's the same issue I had with the Eagles all season, is we either start out hot and fade or we start terribly and then we grow into the game. But by the time we grow into the game, we've lost. Um, now that's exactly what happened here. Although I, I was I was really, really entertained by some of the uh, the commentary on it, referring to, to Sam Darnold as a dual threat quarterback, which I thought was hilarious. And actually referring to him as Cam Darnold at one point because of the fact he was a dual threat quarterback. Um, I haven't, I've seen a massive improvement in Sam Darnold in moving from New York to Carolina. He looks you know, more confident. He looks like he, he's happy where he is. He looks like he's settled. He looks like he understands the playbook. Um, but uh, he doesn't look like a very good quarterback. He looks like someone who will be there for a couple of seasons and then they will draft someone underneath him and he'll be gone. Or he'll sit uh, as a perennial backup for, for the rest of his career. Um, I'm gonna, I don't want to start calling him Sam McCown just yet, but oh, he has oh, that look that about him. It. <laughs> has that look about him it's like it's perfectly serviceable but he's not going to win you games and this that that is exactly what happened here was as the Eagles started making adjustments in the second half you saw Donald going I don't have DJ Moore um, I don't have you know I don't have anyone open what do I do it's like and they were starting to make the adjustments so he couldn't run because he, he got two or three really really good um, first downs in the first half where it was a case of the Eagles sat too deep trying to respect his arm and he was able to get like five, six, seven, eight yards on a scramble. Um, but in the second half, that wasn't there. Uh, and when that's there, Donald's not a great pocket passer for me. He sets, he goes through his reads and then it's like, when there's no one there, you know, that's the point at which he's like, well, I should take off now. Well, you can't because the pocket's gone. You've got nowhere to go. You know, he takes too long to make his reads. Um, the, the really great quarterbacks that you mentioned earlier, They've gone through read one, read two, read three, and under three seconds, and they go, right, is the pocket still intact? Yeah, I'll hang on. It, or at that point, they immediately take off, right? Donald doesn't have that. He doesn't have that just ability to just explode um, when there's nothing there, right, and make extra time for the, the guys around him to get open. Um, and that, essentially, that's what's happened. Hurts impressed me in the second half. 
Um, he didn't impress me in the first half. My God, he didn't impress me in the first half at all. But again, like Donald, he became very, very mobile in the second half. Um, or, or, or touch, a game-winning touch, as you say, came from him with the, the, the Cam, Donald, Cam Newton celebration. I'm starting to call him Cam Donald now. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but he, he managed the ball well. Um, we, we didn't have the strongest-looking team out there. Um, but our pass rush would get into Donald in the second half, which it wasn't in the first. Um, and that really, really made a difference. Uh, it gave the offense more time on the field. The Panthers' pass rush seemed to kind of, I'm not going to say weaken, but tire in the second half. Um, and Hurts was very, very mobile. So when, when there was any kind of hint of the pocket collapsing or when any kind of hint of them throwing a blitz, he was getting the ball away very, very quickly. Um, I may at some point have been screaming, stop throwing screen passes, because I think we threw three in a row. Uh, I went four and out, three and out. It was just, but as he adjusted and as he developed and he stopped throwing screen passes and started making his reads properly, he hurts looked like a much better quarterback. Um, I still don't think he's the face of our franchise, um, but I think he's done enough in the first five games to get himself through the rest of the season as long as he doesn't get injured. I know Minshew is sitting there, you know, captain check down in the background. I don't think we'll see him unless, you know, games are already won or until our season is over. Um, and whilst you have a very optimistic opinion of picking up eight wins for the Dolphins, and the Eagles have the easiest schedule, and I don't have the optimism that we'll pick up eight wins this season. So. <laughs> well, I think the Eagles, I think they're the same things as Texans. They actually are playing at times, a lot better than everyone thought. I mean, the Lions, the Jags have been as terrible as everyone thought. <laughs> maybe the Jags less, and people, maybe people thought they win more games. But uh, I think the Texans have been very good at times, and I think the Eagles have looked, at times, quite good. I mean, Quez Watkins has been quite impressive, a wide receiver. Devonta Smith has showed, has showed himself at times to be, you know, what we thought he'd be. Um, but I think with the Panthers, I think that it is clear to see the difference that McCaffrey makes. I mean, how better they how worse they've been since they've been injured is quite noticeable. It was the same thing last year as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be either me or you next year. If they all run away, if they all, um, if all the problems, all the issues go away and it's all resolved, I think either me or you next season are going to be having off call back to Sean Watson. I think it'll either be the Eagles who've got history with Michael Vick of uh, you know, picking up players who've had legal troubles or it could be as because um, there's all this talk about um, Stephen Ross really wanting Deshaun Watson. This talk of, I mentioned this last week, Flores wanting Herbert, but Ross and Greer wanted Tua. So I think that Ross, if Ross has shown that if he wants anything, he'll, he'll go for it. So I think Deshaun Watson next year will either be wearing the green of Philadelphia or the lighter green of Miami. Um, further on in week five, the Houston Texans lost to the New England Patriots, despite the confusion of Scott Hansen on red zone. Um, it was 25-22 uh, with a good comeback for the Patriots. The Tennessee Titans got back to winning ways by beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 37-19, piling further misery on Urban Meyer. However, the greatest game of the day saw the Green Bay Packers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 25-22 in overtime in what was probably one of the best games I've ever seen. <laughs> um, 25-22, the score didn't sound like, didn't sound like a classic, but there were five Five missed field goals, including three from Mason Crosby, who kicked the game-winning field goal uh, in overtime in what was a real topsy-turvy game. Um, but yeah, it, it was one of the craziest games I ever watched because I was watching it in Hippodrome with with um, you know with NFL fans in there, and there was Packers fans, and there was 
no real Bengals fans. There were still people who were supporting the Bengals just because it was the underdog. And it just felt like every time, oh, this, you, you couldn't believe how top three that was. I mean, it was just, you know, both teams had had the golden chance to win the game in overtime and regular time. And just both times, the kickers just let him down. And Mason Crosby will be very relieved that he, um, you know, that he did get the winning one because he was probably the, the one to play more than, more than um, I forgot his name, another Bengals kicker. But it's, um, yeah, it was just an insane game. And I think, you know, I think both Rodgers and Burrow weren't, at their best, you know, but I think they both um, did enough. Obviously, sort of Burrow interception. I think Rogers threw an interception as well, and it's just it was just a crazy, crazy game. And I think that the Bengals, to me, I think I did an article on it last week. I think the Bengals are a team to look out for not this season, but I think you know they got some good players there. They got Jesse Bates, obviously Burrow and Chase. They've got Trey Hendrickson, and I think they've got the core is there. And I think if they can get you know, a good few free agency pickups next year, or they can get some good draft picks. I think that you know the Bengals can be a team to look out for. You know, over the next few years, I think they've got some young players there as well. That if they stay with the franchise, I think you know they can be a four. And also Joe Mixon as well. Um, and I think yeah, they've they got some good players to the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a team to look out for. I really do. Um, but other games in the Week Five game, and the Arizona Cardinals kept their, kept their unbeaten start going with a. Um, 17-10 win over the San Francisco 49ers to go 5-0. and um, The 49ers handed Trey Lance his first start of the season, and the Chicago Bears beat the Las Vegas Raiders, um, which, which ends up being Gruden's last game in charge, um, 20 points to 9. Probably one of the least exciting games this weekend. Um, the Dallas Cowboys maintained a further stranglehold on the NFC East, going 4-1 after a 44-20 win over division rivals the New York Giants who lost Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley to injuries, with the latter, um, who may be out for a while, after after what was a somewhat bizarre injury. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Cleveland Browns 47-42 in an absolute thriller. This saw Justin Herbert once again throw for over 300 yards, um, 398 to be precise, um, and Nick Chubb scored an impressive touchdown despite the loss, um, and he ran for over, 100, over 160 rushing yards, and Mike Williams caught for two touchdowns and uh, over 165 yards. Um, so me and Rob last week from Third and Goal were talking about how special Herbert is. Um, so Steve, first of all, how special do you think he is? But also, um, how far do you think this Chargers team can go this season? Because they're now four and one. They're looking really good. Um, how far do you think they can go under new head coach Brandon Staley this year? What? How far they can go? I don't know, and for me, Herbert is. I traded, for example, I in my dynasty leagues this year, uh, I traded my first round pick for Herbert. Um, that's how highly I valued him, um, and it meant in that league I ended up with Lamar Jackson and Herbert, which is not a bad one-two punch. No, no. Um, Herbert just has he has that composure in the pocket, and he showed it in the first season. That you know when he's standing there, he, he's got that that Rogers eye to him. Where it's like he sees he sees the movement. He doesn't need to step outside that pocket. His protection is great. Um, and one of the things about last year was his protection wasn't as great, and he was still putting up the yards. Um, but defensively, I've always thought the Charles have been really good. Uh, I think Bosa off the edge is one of the most um, underrated players in the league. Uh, you know, you talk about Aaron Donald and Miles um, Garrett, but to be honest, why are you not talking about Joey Bosa? I don't know. Um, possibly because Joey Bosa did, didn't do himself any favours in terms of PR in his first year when he made a couple of statements which have uh, you know, come back to haunt him. But the, the, the Chargers' D is solid. The secondary is solid. 
They have two fantastic wideouts in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, particularly Keenan Allen. Um, but Mike Williams this season has stepped up because Allen's starting to pick up double coverage. Austin Eckler is one of the most underrated league uh, backs in the league, but he's a pass-catching back. And that helps Herbert because Herbert loves to throw those like five, six-yard passes, you know, those, those quick dump-offs. He's got the arm to go deep when he needs to, but he has that ability to read which of the two um, is better to go with based on the defense he sees in front of him. Um, I'd like to see them pick up a back um, to complement Eckler, someone who's a proper kind of like, you know, straight through, you know, to just grind it in the middle back, the way Chubb does for Cleveland, um, but or even Henry for, for Tennessee. Um, but the Chargers, they have a, a really well-oiled offense. It's a, it's a good gelled unit. It had last season to come together. They haven't made a lot of really big additions. They've just like said, well, we already have this. Let's just plug holes in the O-line. Let's give our quarterback time. Our defense is already solid. Um, how far can they go? That's a tough one because um, there are three or four teams this season uh, that I look at into the Chargers and I say, yeah, the, the EFC is really strong this year. Um, so if I had to say a push, I'd say they can make the EFC championship game. I don't see them as Super Bowl contenders. I see that as their absolute ceiling this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule now. I mean, they've got a fairly fable schedule, obviously due to the where they finished last year in the division. Um, and yeah, I think that could be different between them and the Chiefs. I'm looking at the Chiefs' schedule now. So the Chiefs, who we'll mention in a bit, have still got to play the Packers, the Cowboys, the Bengals. Actually, they've got actually they had their hard games pretty much done already. Um, the Chargers schedule, they've got to play Baltimore next, which is a big game for both. I think that'll be a real testing game for them next time. They've got to play Patriots, they've got to play Eagles, Vikings, Steelers, Broncos, Bengals, Giants, and then the Chiefs, and then Texans, Broncos, Raiders. That, for me, is obviously the hard games there, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and possibly the Patriots if it's at Gillette Stadium. For um, me, there's eight wins there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Eagles is guaranteed win. Vikings, if their offense turns up, maybe um, Steelers no chance. Bronx, they got no chance of losing. Wait, wait, wait! Did you see Steelers no chance? No chance of losing. No chance of losing. <laughs> no, I was going to say yeah, they'll, they'll steal yeah. the Steelers. Yeah, I mean Steelers guaranteed win. Broncos guaranteed win. Bengals pretty much guaranteed win. Giants the same. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not going to say the Bengals guaranteed win. If you watch them against the Packers, the mm. connection between Borrow and Chase. Yeah. Um, oh is, yeah, no. is superb. And Mixon is statistically one of the top five running backs in the league at the moment. So when yeah, you've yeah. got a ground game and you've got a passing game, you can never rule the Bengals out. Just mm. defensively, they need to work on stuff. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned that they've got the Giants. So that's an easy win. They've it, got the Broncos. especially. Yeah, the Broncos. Sorry, Chris, but yeah, that's another easy win. So, you know, they're, they're looking. There's six or seven we've just discussed there that are guaranteed. And if they can eke out one of the, one or two of the other ones, you know, finish the season 13 and four, even even 12 and five will get them into the playoffs. So. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Chiefs, they got to play, even at Washington, they've been really bad this year. They've got to play Washington, Titans, Giants, Packers, Raiders, um, albeit Raiders in November, which is probably a guaranteed win. Then um, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders again, then Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. I think they've got also a very favourable schedule, but uh, we will mention them now. Um, their defence may be an issue, uh, as we saw in Sunday Night Football, as the Buffalo Bills sent out a message. They got revenge on the Chiefs for their AFC Championship loss last year. 
with a 38-20 win in Arrowhead. This moves Buffalo to 4-1 and and Kansas City to 2-3, and which makes the Steelers win over Buffalo even more, even more bizarre. Um, meanwhile, the Chiefs' problems continue. Uh, Buffalo threw 28 more less, sorry, 28 less passing attempts and still won by 18 points. Um, Josh Allen threw for 315 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. His longest completed pass was 61 yards, whereas Mahomes threw for 272 yards, two touchdowns and two picks, whilst his longest pass was 26 yards. Um, Steve, for you, is, is it first of all time for Chiefs to worry or is it more of, an, is it more of a thing how, how they play in January? And also, does this have the Buffalo Bills as AFC favourites? And can they make the Super Bowl for the first time since the 1993 season? Uh, that's a lot of questions. I can, I'll go through them one by one. Um, <laughs> is is this revenge for the Bills? Yes. Can the Bills make the, champ, the, the Super Bowl? Yes. Um, should the Chiefs worry? Yes. Um, and not for the reasons that you really think. Um, the problem with the Chiefs is, uh, and I, I know we talked about this um, last year, uh, is when the uh, when Mahomes signed his, his multi-million pound contract, and we all went, "Well, that's great. That's the, the franchise settled. You know, the, the the team will be great. They, they'll they have a plan for the next ten years, and then they released a lot of their uh, their O line, and the guys that have come in since just don't have that same they don't have that same punch to them. Um, Mahomes isn't getting the time in the pocket. We know Mahomes can make miracles happen um, when he's on when he's flushing the pocket and he's on the run. But we know he can he can do even more if he's given time to just stand in the pocket and survey, which he just isn't getting this year. Uh, and secondly, when they went to the, the the Super Bowl last year and pretty much all through the season, that Kansas City secondary uh, was suspect. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Honey Badger, but that secondary is suspect, um, and it's been getting exposed every single game. Even the games they've won this year, it's been getting exposed. All right, and it was only a matter of time before they started to come up against a, a top five offense, and that offense just took them apart. Uh, Justin Herbert is going to. I'm, I'm not sure of the of the three defeats of the Chiefs, the Bills. Uh, they lost last week to who was that? They lost to the Ravens um, week two. Yeah. Then they lost to obviously the Chargers, and then they lost to the Bills. Yeah. So that's the, we said at the very start of the podcast about people who we consider to be elite quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. You put three elite quarterbacks up against that very, very average Chiefs secondary, and in every case, they torch them. Right. So if you look at the rest of the Chiefs schedule and you say, are there other quarterbacks coming up of that quality? Probably not. There are only four or five truly elite quarterbacks in the league. Um, so they should start to see an improvement in the results over the next three to four weeks. But they need to, where, wherever possible, go out and spend some money on that secondary. Um, mm. I, the, the Patriots are with Stephon Gilmore. I have a feeling he's going to Jacksonville because uh, they're one of the few teams with a cap oh, to bring him in. No, he's gone to the Panthers, Stephon Gilmore. He has? Yeah. When was that this, announced? This is like, the, I think it was the same day he got released, they signed him up. So I think it was some point last week. But I know he didn't play on the weekend because he's still sort of um, in, he's still injured. But um, yeah, I think that he, he got signed up pretty quick after being released, which shows uh, the kind of player he is. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, at- it, says, it says everything about the Chiefs, though. It's like the, the Chiefs went out 
And it was like, okay, there's clearly problems with your secondary, yeah? Clearly problems with your defence, yeah? Your pass rush is okay, okay. So who are you going to go out and sign free agency? Josh Gordon. Yeah, an ageing Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon way over the hill. Yeah, an ageing Josh Gordon coming off like another one-year ban. It's like the the priority of uh, of the 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 GM there is way way off, uh, and I think Andy Reid needs to kind of sit him down and say, right, enough, you know, sort my defense because my defense is falling to pieces. Yeah, I mean, it amused me in the off season because I think the O line is one of the things where you need like a collector that's been there for years together. You need that sort of experienced heads, people that are sort of you know. I think. A lot of people say they'd rather five offensive linemen that have been together for years and years than just trying to buy new ones all the time. And I think that we all saw against Tampa Bay last year that, you know, without with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz were the two that were missing. And without them, they got absolutely destroyed in, in, in between between the trenches. And both of those players got released. That oh, no, They got Orlando Brown, they got um, Joe Tooney. But I think that it's just confused me why they got rid of those two in particular um, I'm looking at the Chiefs' defense now. I mean, since the passing yards, they're they're fifth from bottom. Um, passing yards allowed, uh, rushing yards allowed. They're fourth from bottom. Uh, only the Eagles, Seahawks, and Chargers have worse um, yardage. And then looking at the points allowed, they're bottom. So no one's allowed more points in a game than the Chiefs this season, which is incredible when you think about it. I remember years ago when they first broke through. 2018, I mean, that was their big thing about run defence um, and that cost them, I think, in the end against the Patriots, as well as that, um, was it was a, f- a false start or neutral phone infraction or something uh, in that game. But I think, obviously, the year they won it, they weren't... It, they, they make, Neil Reynolds made this great point all the time that in both Super Bowls, seven of the eight quarters, they'd been outplayed. They really, obviously, they had the Buccaneers game, they were terrible the whole game. And in the 49ers game, really... Um, until the fourth quarter, they were losing badly, and then you know they had that one bit of moment of magic. Jimmy Drew, Jimmy Drew overthrew the pass, and I think you know, if he'd made that pass, like maybe Rogers may have done, if he'd gone there um, or anyone else who's sort of elite, that pass would be made to um, Emmanuel Sanders. So I think um, it's, it's amazing that they're such a good team offensively, but they, they, their defense has always been a problem ever since they've. They've gone to league. I mean, look at the run to Super Bowl. They let 24 points go against the Texans. Um, who they play in the AFC Championship game? Um, I forget now, but yeah, even in the, the 49ers game, they, they let a lot of points. So I think defense and these, Steve Spagnola has been there for a few years now, but he needs to get that run defense sorted because it's been a problem for years and years. And I think that, um, you know, Yes, a really good highlight reel of the Chiefs. Yes, a really good team. But I think that, you know, if they wanted to build a dynasty, they have to get their defence sorted because um, every great dynasty needs a good defence. I think you can't go on just offence alone. Um, But yeah, I think for me, I think that one thing we should take into account is that the Patriots had a history all throughout Brady's time there of starting badly and then getting good run going in October, November time. And then they say the best football for January. So I think that the Chiefs um, still should be considered one of the favourites because it's not how you play now, it's how you play in January and February. So I think if they can make it to the playoffs, which is in doubt, but if they can make it to the playoffs, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll get a good run going together. They'll sort it out and they'll be in at least the AFC Championship game. But will they play Buffalo Bills in that game? 
the, the problem is, um, if they do play the Bills, based on how they are just now, they'll get beat. Um, the problem with that is, that, you know, you still have the Ravens and the Chargers in that, that mm. bracket, right? You've and got the Browns. To get, and the Browns. Well, what's going on? The Browns, yeah, with that run defense, yeah, I would worry about Nick Chubb. Um, and so, Cream you know, Hunt. Well, that's a good one-two punch. Uh, and I'm not making that as a pun regarding Kareem Hunt. Um, but when it, when, it, when it comes down to it, it's like if they don't sort out their run defence, um, they'll lose. They, they, they'll probably get through. They won't be a wild card team, but they will get through to like the first um, the first playoff. They will lose that game to any one of the four teams we've just mentioned if they play against them. Um, and to lose, for the Chiefs, if they lost to a team led by Baker Mayfield, who... To be honest, has looked better in his insurance qual- um, commercials this year than he has on the field. <laughs> it will it will signal that maybe we should have spread that money around instead of throwing five hundred million at Mahomes, because mm-hmm. uh, the the cap situation there for the next ten years is going to be dire. You know, so you've got less and less money now to protect your your elite quarterback, and that's you can't do that. One of the reasons that we talked, you mentioned earlier about the Patriots. One of the reasons the Patriots did so well was Brady would come in every year and say, okay, how much is, is Rogers getting paid? $25 million. Fine, I'll take half of that. And he would take half of that because he knew he was making so much money off endorsements and everything else elsewhere. But he also knew if you give the franchise that extra $10 million to spend, they'll spend it on protection for me. Mm-hmm. right? Brady's still playing at his age because for, de- for almost a decade, the Patriots just invested in the O-line every single year. And that kept pay- Brady on his feet. And it kept them winning. Yeah, and I think this this will be the exact same thing for the Bills. You know, they they paid Josh Allen a massive contract um, this off season, and I think that that'll be the same thing for them. They'll come back to bite them in the future in terms of the salary cap. And I think that's what the Ravens have to be careful what they pay Lamar Jackson because they will pay him. Um, you know, they, they, Josh Allen and Dak have both been paid, so I think um, it's only a matter of time before they do give Jackson a new contract. But I think they have to look at this and think, right, look look at Tom Brady. Look, look at what Tom Brady does. Look at the model he set, you know. Got paid still a good amount, but not loads in NFL terms. And I think that that is, Tom Brady's shown that all he cares, all he, cares he, he doesn't care about money. All he cares about is rings. So I think that Ravens, if they're listening to this podcast, I'm not sure um, John Harbour always listened to the um, Eurotrips podcast, but I think that, yeah, I think if they want to pay, if they want to be successful, any team, and you've got, you've got an amazing quarterback, I think both the quarterback and the team need to look at what Tom Brady's done and go down that route. But that does conclude our podcast for this week. So thank you, Steve, for being on. Um, anyone who's a, a subscriber to the YouTube channel will see my vlog from the Falcons-Jets game. Catch that on YouTube. Um, we'll be back next week with a another member from the Hair Dry podcast who will be here for the Week 6 review. So... I've been Andy. This has been Steve. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.